time. Welcome. We are so glad that you guys are here worshiping with us today. And we are excited for the 4th of July and for all that that brings. Uh, we are also excited to be continuing our series here uh, on the book of Galatians. Uh, I hope you guys have been enjoying it so far. I've been uh, loving this idea of looking at freedom and what that really means through the lens of Jesus Christ. And so uh, we have been uh, working through the book of Galatians, look, going verse by verse and just letting it speak to us. Uh, if you are newer here and uh, maybe you just jumped in the room or maybe you just jumped in with us online, want to continue to encourage you to fill out your digital connect card. And so you can do that by simply pulling out your phone and texting the word river to 715-953-4060. And you can uh, get that link and let us know you're here. Again, share prayer requests, share anything that you uh, might want to let us know about and it'll give you an opportunity to find out about what's happening here at River of Life. Uh, we are, have been in this series looking at the book of Galatians. Uh, the first week we kind of set the stage, and so if you're, you're newer here and you're just jumping in, or maybe uh, you kind of forgot what Galatians is all about, it's a book written by a man named Paul. Really, it's a letter that he had sent to a group of churches in this region called Galatia. And so he, he wrote this so that these churches that he had helped start could understand the truth of what freedom in Christ really meant. Because what had happened was he had started these churches and he had been faithful to help them understand the truth. And specifically, this was one of his first major outreaches to Gentiles. Like we, we talked about during the offering time that we believe that this gospel is for the Jews and for the Gentiles. But the early church believed it was just for the Jews. And so Paul was one of the major people to actually take this gospel and begin preaching it to Gentiles and letting them know that they could become Christians without becoming Jews, which was radical. And that message first permeated here in Galatia. And so he's writing to these people that he had invested in, that he had poured his life into so that they could have freedom, real and lasting freedom. But after he left, this group came in behind him that historians call the Judaizers. And they were people who liked the fact that people believed in Jesus, but believed that in order to believe in Jesus, you first had to be Jewish. That you had to submit yourself to all the Jewish customs. That you had to put yourself under all of the cultural imperatives that it meant to be a Jew, including diet and dress and the way you cut your hair and all of the regulations that we find in the book of Leviticus. You had to commit to all of that first before you could be a Christian because Jesus was obviously the Jewish Messiah and you needed Judaism before you could be a Christian. And so they were completely perverting the gospel. They were perverting what Paul had said. And so we learned in our first week that all of us are invited in. That we don't have to become Jewish first. That we have freedom to believe in Christ. We have freedom to allow His truth to come into us and to change us and to transform us. And then last week, we looked at 
Paul's unusual path toward leadership, that, that we have the freedom to lead, that God wants us to take the freedoms we've received and use it as a platform to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with more people. That we're to use it so that more people can hear the truth because we are taking our liberty, our authority, and using it well in whatever arena that we find it. Today, I want to talk about the freedom to sacrifice. Again, we were looking at this idea that they're being called to be free in Christ alone. But the Jews are saying, the Judaizers are saying, no, first you have to accept the sacrificial system of the Jews. First you have to be circumcised and follow our customs. Then you can be free. But what we're going to see today is that Paul is saying, no, if you add that back on, if you put yourself back into slavery, you're not really free. And if you try to sacrifice to those ends, you're really not pleasing God. But there is a sacrifice that he does want. And we're going to talk about that today and that we are free to offer that sacrifice every day. And so I talked about last week that we're going to be in one of my favorite portions of the whole Bible. These next few words that we're going to read are some of my favorite because I believe they are foundational. If you don't get these next few verses, you don't get the New Testament. You don't get Christianity. You don't understand the weight and the gravity of what we've been handed. Can you tell them I'm a little bit excited about this? These are things that I really deeply believe and tucked into these verses are, is probably my, I don't know if it's okay to say you have a favorite Bible verse, but my favorite one is in this passage. It's the one that I've tried to model my life after. And so hopefully through this message today, we're going to see that willingness to sacrifice is one of our highest ideals. But what we are willing to sacrifice makes all the difference. What we're willing to give up, what we're willing to sacrifice for or toward makes all the difference in who we are and how we live out this Christian faith. And so, as we had said from the beginning of this series, we're going to do our best to try to read through every single word of Galatians during our series. I'm not sure we're going to get all the way through. I was sick a couple weeks ago, so I kind of messed up the calendar. So we'll, we'll see if uh, we get all the way through, but we're going, to, we're going to do our best. We're going to try. And so today is actually one of our shorter passages, uh, so you, you won't have to endure as much, but I would invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word this morning. Uh, if you're here in person or if you're online, if you're able and capable and willing, uh, please stand to honor God's Word this morning. We're going to be reading Galatians chapter 2, and we're going to start by looking at verses 14 and go through, all the way through the end of the chapter at verse 21. And this is how it reads out of the New Living Translation. When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all the others, Since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow 
the Jewish traditions. You and I are Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles. Yet, we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. But suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ, and we are found guilty because we have abandoned the law. Would that mean Christ has led us into sin? Absolutely not. Rather, I am a sinner if I rebuild the old system of law I have already tore down. For what for when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all of its requirements so that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by pursuing the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we pray this morning that you would illuminate your word. We thank you for the faithfulness of Paul to write down these words. The faithfulness of the people through the ages to preserve these words so that we could really have an understanding this morning of what it is to be free through Christ. I pray that you would let these words come alive to us today. That they wouldn't just be words in a book, but they'd be living and active. That they would cut us to the heart. They would cut out any things in our lives that are keeping us from fully engaging in the truth of Christ. God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you so much for what you do. And we pray these things in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, before you see it, why don't you wave at a person or two. Let them know you're excited to be worshiping with them. If you're online, make sure you let us know you're here, where you're worshiping from. Well, if you remember from last week, or in case you weren't here from last week, what we're looking at right now is actually a long speech. There's, there's some uh, discrepancies in different translations of how long the speech really is. The New Living Translation only puts it at uh, two verses. Most people, or most translations actually have it to the end of the chapter. The speech that Paul gives to Peter. If you remember from last week, or if you weren't here last week, what happened was Peter was at a good church picnic. He was hanging out with all of the Gentiles. He was eating his ham sandwich. And then all of a sudden, some of the Judaizers walked in the room. He threw aside his ham sandwich and then went and hung out only with the Jewish people. And this made Paul really upset. It made him upset because he saw not only was Peter being hypocritical, but he was pulling other Jews alongside. 
that they were distancing themselves from the Gentile believers. All because this group came in that were intimidating them to say, you don't, you don't mix these two cultures. And so, Paul gets upset. We, he, last week we read about how he, he actually got in Peter's face. And like I mentioned, how amazing would that have been? Wouldn't you have loved to have been at that church picnic watching as these two guys are, two of the pillars of our faith, are actually confronting each other. And, and Paul says, I, I confronted him right to his face because he was wrong. And then we actually have this discord here of what Paul says to Peter. And, and we recognize that eventually the entire church through what happened in Acts 15, came around to this truth. That you don't need to become Jewish to become a Christian. And so, this is Paul's defense. This is Paul standing up in front of Peter, in front of the other Jewish believers, and saying, this is wrong what you're doing. And this is why it's wrong. And this is one of those places where, as I mentioned through the series, we don't like church conflict, but if there wasn't church conflict, we wouldn't have this message. And so I'm thankful that the early church had their disagreements, they had their hashing it out, but we have preserved for us what they came up with is this is the best path forward. And so in this discord that we just read, we're going to see Paul hit three major things that I think all of us can look to if we want to make sure we make the most of our Christianity. I mean, how many of you here in this room only want to kind of sort of serve Christ? All right, not, not a lot of hands went, actually no hands went up. That's good. How many of you are just, you want to be a mediocre? You want to be one of those kind of people that just says, okay, I want God to bless me so that I have a good marriage and I get a good job, but I'm not really, I don't want to be committed to all of the sacrifice stuff. Okay, good. How many of you want to see the most of Christ in your life? You, you want to, okay, a few hands are going up. Good, awesome. I was getting worried there for a second. I, mean, I would hope that's, this is what all of us want. And Paul, in his defense, gives us what we need. If you want to make Christianity the centerpiece of who you are, if you want to make this the hallmark of everything you are, if you want to be so filled with the Spirit that when bad things happen, rather than you getting upset, rather than you spewing out on other people, you, when people push up against you, when life pushes up against you, all that comes out is the Holy Spirit and the presence of God, then I believe these three things need to be in our lives. Or else our faith becomes about something else completely. And unfortunately, I believe there are too many people who are okay with the just bless me kind of Christianity. The I want God to make my life better. I want God to make my marriage better. I want God to make my work give me more money. But I, I don't want to live the sacrificial life that the Bible really calls us to. And so today, I want to acknowledge that all of us fall into that to some degree. All of us have a tendency to lean towards what do I get out of my faith rather than how do I live my faith for the sake of the one who gave it to me? 
And so the first thing that we see in this passage that Paul gives us in his argument is that if we want to make Christianity the centerpiece, then we have to make Christ supreme. That if we are serious about seeing Christianity be the most important part to us, then that means we have to make Christ supreme. He has to be the most important aspect of our lives. It's not, I'm a dad, I'm a hunter, I go boating on the weekends, oh, and I'm a Christian. It's our identity in Christ has to be the center. It has to be the most important part about us. It has to be the part of us that we are not ashamed to tell other people about. And so, right away, we see here in, as he's confronting Peter and he's telling him why what you're doing is wrong, we see him saying, we need to make sure we're making Christ supreme and not other secondary issues. And so, uh, going back to verses 15 and 16, there, there's a couple of really strong statements, he says, about what it means to be made right with God. And the first thing he says is, to be made right with God, you have to have faith in Christ. If you want to be made right, it's by having faith in Jesus. And he emphatically says, it's not following the law. And then he goes back to that belief that we have believed in Jesus so that we might be made right. And it's because of our faith in Christ that we're made right. Not because we have obeyed the law. And then in fact, I mean, I bolded this and highlighted it. I don't know if Paul got this animated when he was saying it to Peter. But I mean, this, this is the, if I was the one doing it, this is the part that I would get excited about saying, for no one will ever be made right by obeying the law. He's saying, if you want to be made right, if you want Christianity to be the center, it has to be by faith alone. You don't make Christ the center by just trying to be a good person. And as we go through the book of Galatians, I hope this begins to unlock some freedom in you that your performance as a Christian is not what determines whether or not you are saved. Your, your ability to keep certain principles or to do certain habits or to abide by a certain standard is not what saves you. I believe as a, as a Christian, we should be striving to live lives that honor Jesus, but those lives are not what save us. And it's okay if we mess up. As a matter of fact, I, I'm going to stand up here and make a confession. I'm a sinner. Hello, my name is Gerald. I'm a sinner. Here, here. Amen. And, and we all are. And I think where we get it messed up is in a lot of churches, in a lot of environments, we try to show how good we are by looking really good. Right now, I need you to understand, the Bible tells us there are two types of people. You see, because... In this messed up world that we live in, people tend to believe that people are just mostly good. Apparently they discount all of history while they're saying that, but, but, but they want to believe that people are mostly good. 
But the Bible tells us there's only two types of people. There's evil people, and then there's Jesus. Those are the only categories. But evil people can put their faith in Christ, and he transforms them fundamentally. So that these evil lives that we used to live, we don't go back toward it. But it's not because we've pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps. It's because we've trusted in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And so if you are in this room or if you're joining us online, please put away religion. Put away those things where you're trying to make yourself better by keeping a certain set of rules. Not that I don't think you shouldn't work to glorify God through the way you live. But that will never make you better in His sight. And it will never make you more a Christian. You have to make Christ supreme. If you're going to have any success in living out your Christian life, it has to be by saying, Jesus, you are my Lord. Jesus, you are the one that sets me free. Next thing that I see that he points out is that we need to make the law secondary. Now, Paul isn't saying that we shouldn't try to live right. That because we have Christ, we get to live however we want. Because some people took Paul's words to say that. I've mentioned a good companion to the book of Galatians is the letter to the church in Rome, the book of Romans. And in that book, he very emphatically says, should we sin so that Christ could be glorified even more? Absolutely not. That we, we aren't supposed to be sinning. We aren't supposed to be living lives of dishonor. We're supposed to be living lives of honor. But, but how we do that is secondary to Christ. Not that we don't do it, but that we don't do it for our salvation. In, in verses 18 and 19, he says, If I am a sinner and I rebuild the old system I of the law I already tore down, or I am a sinner if I rebuild the old system. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law, and I stopped trying to meet all of its requirements so that I might live for God. Listen, he's not saying I don't keep the law. He's not saying I don't try to live a holy life. If you keep reading through the book of Galatians, he's saying, we need to live holy. We need to live different. And he's going to give us the key. I'll, 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 I'll give you the key early because it's a few weeks away. The key is submission to the Holy Spirit. It's trusting the finished work of Christ and submitting to the Holy Spirit. That's how we live holy lives. But, we're still supposed to attempt to live for Christ, to live a different life, to allow Him to strip off those things that we used to run to, to strip off those things that used to bring us comfort, to strip off those things that we used to turn to to find fulfillment in life. We lay those aside. And here He's saying, yes, there is a law. Yes, there, there, there is an old system 
that we used to use to try to get to God. And that's, in the Jewish law, that's what they used to do. You could be made right if you followed the system and you sacrificed at the right time the right kind of animal and you did all of the right things and you gave in the right way and you lived in the right way. You were following the law and that was what they had as their form of salvation. And he's saying, it's okay to want to live right, but that's not what is going to save you. It has to be a secondary thing. It has to be something that we lean towards out of honor for God, not out of trying to please Him, not out of trying to earn our way to a a closer seat or to even get into heaven. He says, if we do that, we're really a sinner. If we build up systems and we say, you're not a really good Christian unless you vote this way, unless you drive this kind of car, unless you make sure you do this on this Sunday, not that on that Sunday. And He's saying, if we try to build up these systems again of how to get to Christ, how to get to God, that's when we become sinners. If we put anything in front of Christ, we're sinning. So the law should be there. We should be trying to hold each other accountable. We should be spurring each other on to live holy lives. We should be sharpening each other the way Paul and Peter were sharpening each other in this confrontation. But all of it is under the supremacy of Christ. All of it is not to earn our salvation, but to evidence our salvation. So that the world around us can see that we're different, can see that we're changed, can see the work that Christ is doing in us. And the last thing that I believe we need to do if we want to see Christianity be our hallmark, be the center of who we are, is we have to make self sacrifice. We have to make self sacrifice. And I'm going to apologize or maybe acknowledge quickly all of you English teachers. Uh, that word looks a little wrong up there. It should be a hyphenated word, right? Self-sacrifice. It's, not, it's a compound word. It's supposed to be there. But actually, I, I'm not talking about the compound word. I'm saying you actually have to make yourself sacrifice. If you want to be a Christian, you have to make Christ supreme, you have to make the law secondary, and you have to make yourself sacrifice. But it's not anything you can do in your own power. It's something you have to turn over to Christ. And so, this brings us to my favorite passage, my favorite verse in all of Scripture. Galatians 2.20. This is the verse that I try to live by. And I'll admit, I don't live by it perfectly. And I mess up a lot. But this is, when I read this as a young Christian, I said, this is the key to living a victorious Christian life. In the New Living, it reads, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live this earth, in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Actually, 
learned this in the New King James Version, which it's pretty similar, but it just, I, I like the poetry of it a little bit better. It says, for I, was, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I believe this is what it is to be a Christian. It's saying, I'm going to die to myself so that when people look at me, when people look at my life, they don't see me. They see the life of God being lived through me. We were just having some conversation with some church friends of ours, some um, some. I would probably call them mentors of ours. And uh, the wife had told Anna that in this season of COVID, one thing that has risen up is the spirit of self. When she said that, that I mean, that was just like, oh. Like, that, I don't know if there's a better way to categorize where we've been over the last year or so than watching people be dedicated to self. Dedicated to, I'm going to worship the way I want to worship. I'm going to do things the way I want to do things. I'm going to listen to the doctors I want to listen to. I'm going to listen to the politicians I want to listen to. And, and if you don't agree with my interpretation of what's happening, you're wrong and I'm going to cancel you. Is that not what we're dealing with right now? Is that not the things that we are seeing portrayed in our media right now? Is that not the cry that we hear all across our nation? We claim to be celebrating independence right now, but there are so many people enslaved to self. Enslaved to, what do I get out of this thing? What do I get out of my country? What do I get out of my Christianity? I mean, John F. Kennedy was famous for saying, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. I think we need to turn that around to Christianity and say, don't ask what you get out of this. Ask what you are expected to give away. We are asked to crucify who we are. And I'm here to testify it's not fun. And it's not easy. And there's times in this process where you will sit and weep and say, God, I'm losing who I am. And that's exactly what He desires. He wants to strip us down so that all people see living in us and breathing in us and moving through us is the image of His Son. When we walk through this life, we don't walk for us. We walk for Him. When we reach out and we partner with our schools and we partner with our missionaries, we do it because we know that's what Christ would want. When we love our neighbors, when we show hospitality, when we go out of our way to take care of the poor and the needy, we're not doing it to earn Approval, we're doing it because we believe that's what Christ would want to do. That's what He would do. I, I don't want to make too much of a, of a TV series, but 
man, I don't know how many of you have gotten wrapped up in the chosen. But, but I think he captures just a little bit of what Christ's life was like and what it was in his heart to sacrifice for and how he lived differently so that other people could see God through him. And he was our model. That's, that's why we're even able to do it. You know, we, we see that at the end of this verse. He's the one who loved us. He's the one who gave himself for us. And that's why we have the model. That's why we have the cross in our buildings. And people wear them around their necks. And, and they make icons over a torture instrument. Because it reminds us of the one who gave himself for us as our example of what we are to do. So, I want to encourage you. Go out, have some fun today. Go out, blow some things up. But don't lose track, today or any day, that we have been called to live lives of sacrifice. That today of all days, we should be celebrating sacrifices that have been made for us. Let's honor those sacrifices and those freedoms by sacrificing for others. By living lives that are different. By living lives that Christ can live through. I feel it's fitting to add on verse 21 here as we come to the end here. He says, I don't treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. In other words, if you can make yourself right just by living right, Christ's death was meaningless. If you can make yourself right just by cutting off a piece of skin and following a certain set of rules and eating a certain diet, then it was meaningless for Christ to come. Christ came because we can't save ourselves. The Jews proved through the law that they couldn't keep it. That was part of the point of the law as we read in other books written by Paul. The point was to show us that we are incapable in ourselves to live lives worthy of the holiness of God. And so because we couldn't do it ourselves, Christ came down he died so that we could be set free and that our lives could be different. Our lives could show the world that Christ is supreme in us. So, with that, I'm going to invite our worship team back up. I really want to encourage you. I've been promoting this through this series. I want to continue to encourage you. Read the book of Galatians. I would really encourage you to, if you can, take some time and just sit down and read through the whole book. Even if you're a slow reader, I guarantee it's going to take you less than 30 minutes. That you, you can get through the entire book of Galatians just by sitting down. Or if you want to spread it out, read a chapter a day, and you, you can get through it in a week and you have a day extra, a, day, uh, uh, a cheat day or a mess-up day or whatever you want to call it. But during this series, take some time and read through it. I think it's powerful when we read the Word of God 
in context, in large chunks, so that we can see how all of these verses work together. Galatians is full of great, powerful verses that we pull out of context all the time. But if we can take some time during this summer and read through this book and let it minister to us in the way that it was designed to be heard, I think you're going to see some things come alive and you're going to begin to understand this principle of freedom. Hopefully you've read it already and you're already seeing it. But if you haven't, this idea of freedom is just pregnant in the book of Galatians. And it's waiting for people to come along and experience it. Experience the freedom that Christ has secured for us through the cross. And so that's why we're going to take a moment right now and worship through communion. I think all of you should already have your communion cups. If you're online and you need to take a moment, I'll stall and you can go get some something to worship with. It doesn't have to be juice and a cracker. It could be water and bread or whatever you have with you that's easily available. One thing I try to encourage you, don't let Sundays be the only time you celebrate communion. Find ways to incorporate it into your meal times. Find ways to incorporate it when you're gathering together. You don't have to be a special ordained pastor to have communion wherever you're at. This was something that was given to the whole church. So I ordain you right now. You are commissioned. Celebrate communion wherever you're at. Find ways to connect with people. But today we're going to do this together. Because we want to remember. The purpose of communion is that we remember the sacrifice. And hopefully in that remembrance, it reminds us that we are crucified. That we are to live different. That the life that we are living now, we're not living for ourselves, but we're living for the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. So, I'm going to pray over our elements. Actually, if you're here in person or if you're online, I'm going to also give you an opportunity to accept Christ. Because we, we practice an open communion here, which means you don't have to be a member of our church to participate. But we do think it's a good idea that you've accepted Christ as your Lord. And so I'm going to pray over the elements. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to the grace of God so that you can receive. And then we're going to take this all together and then we're going to spend a little more time worshiping. But let me, let me go ahead and pray over this. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you that your death on the cross became a symbol and a calling. That cross symbolizes our sins, our shortcomings, our mistakes being nailed upon that cross alongside of you. That you wore our shame so that we don't have to any longer. But it also was a calling that we would crucify ourselves, that we would crucify our passions, we would crucify our interests, we would crucify our ideals for what we think 
our lives should look like. And we allow ourselves to let your life live through us so that more people could see your love and your light shining in us. God, I pray this morning that if there's anyone here in this room or if there's anyone joining us online who haven't made the commitment to follow you, that they would feel the Holy Spirit pulling on their heart right now. And if that's you, I would encourage you to say a simple prayer. Matter of fact, I'm going to pray a prayer and you can pray it alongside of me. You can use my words. You can use your own words. You can say this out loud. You can say it in the quietness of your heart. But I encourage you to pray something like this. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died for my sins. And I believe that God rose you from the dead. Today, I choose to turn from my old life. And I choose to follow you. Holy Spirit, fill me. Give me the strength to live for Jesus every day so that who I am will reflect Jesus. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, come talk with one of us. Let us know. Or if you're online, you know, click on the uh, I've Received Christ Today button or send us a Facebook message and let us know. We, we want to make sure you have the resources because the Bible tells us that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, you will be saved. So, If you prayed that prayer and you believe that, confess it to somebody. Let somebody know that you've made that decision. And if if we are able to hear about it, we're going to give you the resources you need to live this life for Christ. But for the rest of us, let's, let's partake of communion together, remembering the broken body and the poured out blood that was given for us so that we could be whole, so that we could be forgiven so that we could live lives of sacrifice that honor Him. So, together, let's partake of the bread. And also the cup. This time, I just encourage you to stand. We're going to sing one or two more songs of worship. Encourage you if you can, feel free to stick around and worship with us a little bit longer. Also, going to ask our prayer teams to. We've got a, a couple of different um, individuals that are going to find some different corners here in the sanctuary. We'll have probably a couple up front, a couple in the back. If you need prayer for anything, please come find one of these people and let them pray for you and let them uh, let you experience more freedom. So, if it's financial, if it's physical, if it's just something you're going through emotionally, we'd love to pray with you. Let's go out into this week looking for ways to show more of Christ through us. Amen? Amen. Love you guys. We'll see you guys next week, and hopefully you can stick around and worship with us a little longer.